0: I opened my Bible this morning during the early gathering, and a picture of me and Hadassah fell out. So there's no better encouragement than to have that fell out of my Bible right here. Well, it's a good day. Let me get myself organized here. How many know God is good? All of the time. Despite our circumstances and despite discouragement, despite anything that we are uh, contending with, God is good. His goodness is never in question, never falters. It's always the same. It's always the same. And we can count on on His goodness, and I do count on His goodness. Anybody lean into God's goodness? We need to lean into His goodness, do we not? God is so faithful. Uh, I'm, a, I'm excited about today. I'm excited about today's word. It is a, it's a weighty word, but I'm excited about uh, today's word. Somebody on the, the teaching team asked me if I would switch topics with them, and so I said yes, and so we're actually going to go to the end of Jesus's sermon, right toward the end of Jesus's sermon uh, on the mount, uh, And we're gonna talk about lordship today. So would you stand with me? And we're gonna read with gusto the scripture from Matthew chapter seven. Let's go. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is true and that it brings life. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint every heart, God. Let every ear be open, Father. And Lord, would you help us transform our our lives and the things that we choose to do and say based on what you wanna convey to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our culture as a people, we have a strong aversion to this word. We have a strong aversion to the word submission. We don't really honestly like submission. Submission. Now, we do like when people submit to us, but we don't really, if the rubber hits the road, we don't really culturally like the word submission. And a lot of the reason we don't like the word submission is because of the other word that it's connected to, and that word is authority. Uh, we have sometimes an aversion to authority, do we not? If we're honest with, with, with ourselves, we have an aversion to, to authority, and we don't really want to submit to uh, authority, but authority is established by God. The word tells us all authority is has being established by God. And when, when we look at some positions of authority, unfortunately, culturally, our minds tend to go in a, in a certain direction. If I, if I say the position police officer, what we should think is protection, safety, health. But a lot of times, many people will think, what's wrong? they get special privilege that i don't and if you're anything like me it's it's a caution to slow down <laughs> when you hear the term boss boss we should we should think supportive guidance open minded open mindedness inclusiveness but instead our minds tend to culturally gravitate to entitled separate above arrogant, those types of vocabulary. And even with fathers, fathers carry a sense of authority within their homes. We should be thinking terms such as protective, respected, honored, honorable. But instead, the culture colors that absent, cowardly, and arrogant, Think about the TV shows you grew up with, the cartoons and the TV shows. How were the dads in those cartoon shows and TV programs portrayed? Were they portrayed with a a conveying of honor and respect or were they portrayed as dumb and ignorant and messing up all the time, et cetera, et cetera? The culture really tries to hammer home the lack of need, quote unquote, to be under authority, And what the culture tries to paint for us is that the only authority you need in your life is yourself. That's the only authority that you need in your life. You can do what you wanna do, say what you wanna say, go where you wanna go. And if anybody tells you otherwise, leave, walk out, go somewhere else, which speaks a lot to the lack of our commitment when it comes to certain things. Yeah, you can tell this is going to be a fun message. (laughs) There isn't to say that there aren't bad police officers or bad bosses or bad fathers. There, There certainly are. But before we even give an individual the chance to do right by that position, we already have pegged them in our mind for what they're going to be. Our culture pays little attention to the regard to, regard to the authority and, and promotes the idea that each person should be their own uh, authority. Uh, and it's getting worse generation by generation. I will tell you the very first thing that the graduates at my school want to do when they walk off the stage, I hand them the diploma, the very first thing they want to do is call me by my first name. I graduated Laverne High School. And we had, I had two principals, Dr. Jan Stauffer and Dr. Linda Kennedy. Linda, Dr. Kennedy has uh, passed away. I would never conceive of going up to those principals and saying, Hey, Jan, how are you doing? Hey, Linda, what's, what's going on? Because of the level of respect that I have in my life for them. Culturally, We move in a way that says nobody is going to be above me and I am going to be inferior to no one. And we labor at it and we labor at it. We overtly and intentionally blur the lines of respect and honor and we wonder why there's such confusion and chaos in our world. And when we must come under authority, we will only submit to the things we agree with and the things that we want to do. Otherwise, you might get submission, but it's going to come with a lot of ridicule, disrespect, and talk back. Because I need to make sure everyone else knows that I don't agree with what you've asked me to do. Authority. Submission. This is my daughter, Hadassah. So you have heard this story, I've shared it before, but I, this is my earliest uh, memory with regard to true father-daughter relationship in terms of like discipline. And uh, she was eating a bowl of spaghetti and she was on her tray at the time and she took the spaghetti and she was just rummingly, uh, messing around on the tray with it, kind of creating an art masterpiece, I'm sure. And she went to go grab a pile of spaghetti and she went to go throw it against the wall. Now, in my house, I don't really like children who, who throw make the choice to throw spaghetti against the wall. We don't like to have spaghetti on our walls. And so I told Hadassah, do you, and, and by the way, don't you, do you know that, that kids, even though they can't articulate words, it doesn't mean they don't understand what you're trying to say, okay? So I told Hadassah, I said, Hadassah, do not throw that spaghetti against the wall. And so she played with her spaghetti a little bit more started to grab a little bit of it. And I said, Hadassah, do not throw that spaghetti against the wall. And that time she looked me dead in the eyes and she slammed her tray and she grabbed a handful of spaghetti, looking straight at me, eyeball to eyeball. And she went like this and threw it against the wall. Now I need you to know, I prior to this had been in education for 15 years. I'm not used to children not doing what I've asked them to do especially my own flesh and blood. And I will tell you, I had an out-of-body experience in that moment. (laughs) You know, they say you remember how you feel. I grabbed that table so hard, and I thought to myself, Sherry O'Day, you better come get this child. I don't know. And I had to really spend some time with the Lord. What is this, God? Because we were about to lose our firstborn. (laughs) I can only imagine how God feels when we disobey. I can only imagine how God feels. And here's the thing God doesn't need to throw a table or lash out his wrath on us because he paid the ultimate price through his son, Jesus Christ, to cover all the times that we disobey and mess up. But that price, though it was free, was not cheap. It was not cheap. Submitting to authority is not a bad thing, especially when it comes to submitting to God's authority. When it comes to the Lord, we are not in a democracy. We don't have an elect, a president. If you are a believer in this place, you belong to a kingdom and you have a king. You have a king. And I want to let you know, I expect in my house for my kids to obey And I'm gonna tell you today, your king expects you to obey as well. Your king expects you to obey. God does not rule with an iron fist. He is not up there. Somehow we've got this idea, some of us, that he is up there with a magnifying glass trying to look at every single thing we've done wrong to zap us when, when, we, when we don't get it right. And therefore we just stay as far away from God as we can. But guys, I can't tell you that could be further from the truth. God does not rule with an iron fist. God chooses to render his authority in a relational posture, I've got many friends uh, in my life, and I was looking at the, the majority of my closest friends actually have worked for me in some capacity, some of them more than 15 years. My deepest, closest friends. And that I believe is because when it comes to positions of authority, my choice, my, my choice and avenue to lead is from a position of relationship. Now, believe me, I mess it up, I mess it up big time. But I take my cue from this relational God who renders his authority in my life in a relational posture. And let me tell you something, it is the more meaningful path, but it is also sometimes the harder path. Because it's easier just to walk into a position and say, I've got a title and a name tag Now do what I tell you to do. But the more meaningful path is when you can walk with someone and have relationship with them in the process. God exercises relational authority And so in that, what happens, and especially because God is so loving and so kind and so compassionate and so forgiving, and his grace reservoir is huge, we tend to at times walk around wanting the benefits of the kingdom without the commitment to the king. And that's not a far cry to how a lot of us will order our lives, because I want the benefits of my wife without the commitment to my marriage. I want the benefit to my, of my job without the commitment to do the work. I want the, the benefit of the grade on the report card without the commitment to do the study to show myself approved. We are conditioned to want the benefits without having to submit or commit to anything at all. I want us to understand today that Jesus Christ is Savior. And Jesus Christ is Lord. There is a difference between salvation and lordship. There is a difference between salvation and lordship. Guys, we would not even begin to be able to have the conversation about lordship if we did not have the miraculous salvation that we've been given. God sent his son in the world to save every single one of us in this room. He loved you so much that he sent his son this perfect gift. We get to receive this gift. If we choose to receive salvation, salvation is ours. But salvation is the door that opens for us to have the conversation and make the decision about who's going to rule and reign over our life. Salvation is the pathway. It is the bridge. It is because prior to salvation, guys, we were to be destroyed. We were to die. We were to, we were to have a penalty of death. But salvation opens up this chasm for a relationship with this God who loves you so much. And the question on the table is, who is your Lord? Who is your Lord? And so, Jesus is our Savior, and Jesus is our Lord. And in that Lordship, I have to tell you, church, If Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, your life ought to look different than the world. The way we act should be so different than the world. Now, let me take just a very short bunny trail here. Today's message is about you and your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about judging others. And many times when we listen to messages, we often can get in a place where we're thinking about, oh, that's good for that one, or that's good for this one. Today's message is for you. It's for you. So I want you to know that when I say that your life should not look like the world's, albeit may be offensive to them, it also should be attractive to them. It should also be attractive to him, to them. The Bible tells us that they will know him by the way we love them. It's not about us having this righteous attitude that he's the Lord of my life and I'm doing all of these things over here and you ought to be as well. The Holy Spirit's job is to change people's lives. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to change people's lives. But lordship means that you will surrender your will, your desire, and everything about you to his will. And Jesus Christ has given us, the Lord has given us a guide to how to live our lives. The world is stuck in a place of confusion about the the simplest things that we find in scripture. And if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, there's no confusion, there's only clarity. Because of what the word of God says. Is he the Lord of your life? Or are you the Lord of your life? Are there areas of your life that you've not surrendered to him? And so the scripture we read today basically says that you could be coming to church every week. You could be wearing the t-shirt that says, Jesus loves me. You could be giving in the offering. You could be checking all the boxes And he still not be your Lord because you're not doing his will. Now there's a paradox here. Because in order for me to do his will, it it, kind of lends the suggestion that I've got to work and I've got to be good and I've got to do all of these things, which is exactly what it seems like we're preaching again. And what, what is this tension? Well, here's the thing, guys. You cannot do God's will without God's help. You cannot do God's will without God's help. And so when we submit our hearts and we submit our lives to, the Lord, to his lordship, he will give us every tool we need to conquer every battle we have. He will give us everything we need, every bit of strength and energy that we need to overcome in the places of confusion, in the places of chaos, in the places where we get hung up. He will give us the strength that we need. Guys, if we could do it on our own to begin with, we wouldn't need the Savior, Jesus Christ. Is he the Lord of your life? Is he the Lord of your life? You can't do God's will without God's help. His lordship protects you from things that you cannot and may not understand. When you are surrendered to Jesus's will for your life, when you are surrendered, when you surrender to his lordship, he gives you the ability, the confidence to say yes to the things you don't understand. And he gives you the strength to walk in those places. His his lordship protects us From things we cannot see and the things that we may not understand. Over in the book of Psalms, one of my favorite verses here. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. When you allow the Lord to lay the framework of your life, then he will place boundaries in your life and you will begin to realize how pleasant it is where you reside. You don't have to chase after the worldly things because where you are is so much better. Isn't it interesting how many times we cling to things in the world thinking that they're so good, but they only lead to destruction? Nothing that the Lord gives you is going to lead you to destruction. He loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. He desires your all. He desires your heart. And he desires to be in relationship with you. Last weekend, I took a group of guys whitewater rafting. And, uh, and we, had a, we had a good time. I, um, I, I took about, uh, I, we took about 40 guys, and I, um, <laughs> we got there, and uh, we were told to get in groups of six. And uh, so we got in groups of six, and then when we got in groups of six, we were supposed to choose one of the guides. Well, we happened to be standing right in front of one of the guides, and I looked at the guide, and I thought to myself, I don't really think he's a good guide. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he's gonna be the one that I want to choose. But by the time I had made that up in my mind, all the other guides have been chosen. And so we were stuck with this with this guide. And so this guide, he's he's given the overview. He's saying, listen, if you fall out of the boat, you need to be laying on your back and kicking your feet. And he was saying about the paddle that you don't wanna hit somebody upside the head with the paddle, all of these things. But I've been rafting 20 times and the way he was conveying this information wasn't like any of those other 20 times. And I just didn't really care for how he was giving the information. And I started to make up in my mind, you're not a good guide. I don't really like the way that you're talking and the way you're saying what you're saying. And so I'm just making, I'm just smiling, but I'm making this up in my mind. And so we get in the raft and we start heading down. We were on the upper Ocoee and we, head to the, uh, we get to the Olympic stretch of the, uh, of the Ocoee. And about 30 seconds into the rapid, it's the biggest rapid on the, on the trip, all of us fall out of the raft. And I'm gonna tell you, no kidding, I I did have about a five-second window I thought I was gonna drown. I literally thought the water was just rushing over my head, over my head. Uh, And by the way, I'm not, you guys know me, I'm not a sports player. I was so battered and bruised after that experience that I got off the bus and I realized I want to do this again. And it made me think this must be what it's like to play Friday night football and get battered and bruised and want to do it again the next week. You know, so I kind of felt, I felt good, you know, because I do want to go back, even though I almost died. Um, But but I'm there and, and I fell out of the raft and I literally had a moment of panic. I'm going, this is it, I'm going to drown. And the first thing that hit my mind, get on your back and kick your legs. I want you to know that in the moment of life and death, it didn't matter what I felt about the guide. It only mattered that I listened to what he said. And there are times in our life where we don't agree with what Jesus is telling us to do. We don't agree with what the word says. We don't agree, God, God, I don't understand why you're having me do this or why they can't do that or why I can't do this. And guys, I'm gonna tell you in the matter of life and death, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. It doesn't matter what you think. All that matters is that you listen to his voice. That you listen to his voice. Guys, my children, I-, I want my children to obey the first time. Can you imagine if your kids get 47 times to obey, they throw a ball out in the street and they start running straight toward them. How many times are you gonna say, watch out before they listen to you? A good parent will discipline their kid because they love them. And guys, your God loves you. And he wants you to obey the first time because he wants to protect you and because he loves you. So, real quick, what is the Lord the Lord of? What is he Lord of? If you think everything, you would be correct. Everything. I'm gonna go over three areas that I think pretty much touch everything real fast. Here we go. He is the Lord of your mind. Most sin is conceived from a thought. It starts in your brain, in your mind. He wants to be the Lord of your mind. Over in Romans chapter 12, it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Guess what it says after that? Well, don't guess, read it. Then you will be able to test and approve What God's will is. Didn't we just read Jesus say that the way to enter the kingdom of heaven is by doing the will of the Father? Well, this tells me that I'm not gonna really know the will of the Father unless my mind is being renewed. My mind is being renewed. Why does my mind need to be renewed? Because I live in a culture in a world that's pumping information in all the time. I need renewal. I need renewal. Where am I getting renewal? From Kurt. No, from the word. From the word of God. The word of God helps me. Kurt would definitely help me because he knows the word, right? It's like I singled him out. No, Kurt knows the word, but I renew my mind from the word of God. From the tr- I combat the lies with truth. I know that's a novel concept, guys, but I'm going to say that again. We combat the lies with truth. And he has truth to speak about almost every single issue. And here's the thing, we're gonna find out if we really spend time with the Lord, the issues that the world calls issues really doesn't matter. And we spend a lot of time thinking about things that don't matter. I can't hear you, Lord. I don't understand what you're telling me to do. It's because you're concentrating on a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. He is the Lord of your mind. What else? He is the Lord of your body. I'm talking about your physical body. He is the Lord. He desires to be the Lord of your body. Now, this is just a little lengthy, but I wanna read it because I like how Eugene Peterson puts it because he just kind of lays it out there for us. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter six. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. You know the old saying, first you eat to live and then you live to eat. Well, it may be true that the body is only a temporary thing, but that's no excuse for stuffing your body with food or indulging it with sex. Since the master honors you with a body, honor him with your body. God honored the master's body by raising it from the grave. He'll treat yours with the same resurrection power. Until that time, remember that your bodies are created with the same dignity as the master's body. You wouldn't take the master's body off to a whorehouse, would you? I should hope not. There's more to sex than skin on skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from the others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies, these bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with one another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. He's the Lord of your body. What you do with your body matters. He's the Lord of your heart. He's the Lord of your mind, your body, and He is the Lord of your heart. Concerned about what flies out of your mouth, what does the word say about our words? From the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. If he's the Lord of your heart, you don't have a problem with what you say. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not some, not a fraction. Trust trust in the Lord with a sliver of your heart. No, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When Kevin O'Day leans on his own understanding, I am not allowing him to be the Lord of my heart. And in all your ways, do what? Submit to him. And he'll make your path straight. If I was to, I'd have to jump off the stage this time. I was, I was on the floor, but if I were to make a beeline to Barbie and just walk straight to her, pretend there's not a big stage here, I'm not gonna fall off. It's a lot quicker, it's a lot quicker to take that straight path than it is for me to try to get to her going like this. Right? Okay, submit to the Lord and He'll make your path straight. You'll reach destination so much faster. You'll reach potential and things he wants to do in you so much quicker when you submit to his will. How do you submit to his will? By making him the Lord of your life. You can't make him Lord. He's already Lord. But you are choosing to allow him to have lordship in your life. Love the Lord God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind And connected to this, love your neighbor as yourself. God has some pretty wonderful things to say about how we should live our lives if we surrender in lordship to him. Now, going back to what I said at the beginning about authority, the reason we back off of authority and we don't like authority is because we have made up some pretty rotten things about what authority does. This is not the case of the Lord. There's this wonderful psalm Psalm 23, that is written, and we talk about a shepherd. Can anybody tell me who the shepherd is? Who is the shepherd? Come on, who's the shepherd? It's the first sentence in the Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Would you say that? The Lord is my shepherd. He has wonderful things to say. Everything we ascribe to the shepherd is ascribed to the Lord because he is the Lord. This is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. my cup, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness, Lord, surely your mercy, Lord, follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. So when we read that Psalm and we talk about the authority, we examine the authority of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, here's what we get, here's the benefit The Lord is my shepherd. So this means the Lord cares for me. The Lord provides for me. The Lord sustains me. The Lord restores me. The Lord guides me. The Lord protects me. The Lord covers me. The Lord comforts me. The Lord encourages me and he strengthens me. The Lord gives me purpose and he fills me up. Who would not want to surrender to a God who gives us all of these things? In abundant fashion, his supply never ends. It never ends. And all we have to do is be willing to say yes. God, I'm holding on to this in my life. I need to let it go. He says, well, let me help you let it go. His Lordship over us is for. Our good. Now, I think the most unsettling part of the scripture we read this morning isn't really about specifically lordship, but it's this phrase right here I never knew you. Oh, to have our Savior look at us and say, I never knew you. Because I can't bring anything but my sin and my unworthiness to the table, I have discovered in my life that to call Him Lord is to actually know who He is. I can examine myself all day long and I can tell you I'm pretty rotten. But the more I examine Him and learn who He is, the more I'm able to release and say, you be the Lord of my life. Because guys, it's not really about us, is it? John 3.30 tells us he must increase. I gotta decrease. That's not the world's model, is it? The world's model says increase, get bigger, get better. You better get better, bigger, all of those things or you're not gonna have anything. But no, in the kingdom, decrease, decrease, decrease. Because the more you get out of the way, the more he shines, the more he shines. He shines. So my experience has been to call him Lord is to know who he is. What does that mean? Okay, God, I'm learning that you are the mender of broken hearts. So to know you as a mender of broken hearts, if that's truly who you are, I'm gonna surrender this relationship. I'm gonna ask you to be the Lord of this relationship. And then he begins to mend your heart. God, I I, I hear that you are the peace in the middle of every storm. So God, I'm going to, I'm going to surrender trying to be in charge of my life right now. I'm going to, I'm going to surrender, trying to direct everything and be in control. And all of a sudden you've got peace because he's the Lord of your storm of your life. Lord, I hear that you give comfort in the midst of all sorts of circumstances. And so God, I'm gonna stop running to all those vices that bring me temporary comfort. And I'm going to lean into you and I'm going to surrender. And the Lord comes in and he gives you a comfort that you can't understand because he's the Lord of your life. He's the Lord of that area of your life. To call Him Lord is to know who He is. Do you know who He is? Do you know who this Jesus is? Guys, it can't be about just wearing a shirt that says Jesus loves me and He saves me. That's true. But the Savior, the one who actually did do the work of dying, He's the one who said, gotta do the will of my Father. And you can't do it on your own strength. You need them. I need them, guys. Don't you need them today? Who needs them in the room? Do we need them? Yes. Yes. Today, we're going to close the gathering in a different way. I've got some kids that are going to come and present to you. And after they get done presenting, we're going to go into... A time of worship. I mentioned earlier that this gathering isn't about everybody else. This gathering and this message is for you to examine your relationship with Jesus Christ. Are there areas that you need to surrender and say, God, I've been holding on to this and I need your lordship in this area? Maybe that's your whole life. You know, I've been checking off all the boxes. I've been showing up every week. I've been doing all the things I'm supposed to do, but I ain't got really a relationship with them. That could change today. And so after these kids present, I'm gonna open the altar space. And as a step of faith, if you have any area whatsoever that you need to surrender, if you have any area where you would like to say today, God, I need you to be the Lord of my life in this I'm gonna invite you to come to the altar space and do some time with him. No, we're not gonna have people pray for you today because today is about a one-on-one connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that there's coming a day where you're gonna face your savior and nobody else is gonna be there? So you might as well get comfortable with it right now. And the more you get comfortable with the one-on-one right now, you will realize the one-on-one with him isn't scary. It's the best place you can be. Come out here, guys.
1: In Genesis, Jesus Christ is the breast of life. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is our reigning king. In Ezra and Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. And in Esther, he is our Mordecai. In Job, he is our ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, he is our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. In Song of Solomon, he is our loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he is the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the wonderful four-faced man. And in Daniel, he is the fourth man of life's fiery furnace. In Hosea, he is the faithful husband forever married to the backslider. In Joel, he's the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. In Amos, he is our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is mighty to save. Yeah. In Jonah, he is our great foreign missionary. In Micah, he's a messenger of beautiful feet. In Nahum, he is our strength and shield. In Habakkuk, he's God's avenge crying. Revive thy works in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah. In Haggai, he is the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is the foundation opened up in the house of David for sin and uncleanliness. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness, rising of healing in his wings. In Matthew, Jesus Christ is the king of the Jews. In Mark, he is a servant. In Luke, he is the son of man, feeling what you feel. In John, he is the son of God. In Acts, he is the Savior of the world. In Romans, he is the righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians, he is the rock, the father of Israel. In 2 Corinthians, he is the triumph of one giving victory. In Galatians, he is your liberty. He set you free. In Ephesians, he is the head of the church. In Philippians, he is your joy. In Colossians, he is your completeness. In 1 and 2 Thessalonians, he is your hope. In 1 Timothy, he is your faith. In 2 Timothy, he is your stability. In Titus, he is the truth. In Philemon, he is your benefactor. In Hebrews, he is your perfection. In James, he is the power behind your faith. In 1 Peter, he is your example. In 2 Peter, he is your purity. In 1 John, he is your life. In 2 John, he is your pattern. In 3 John, he is your motivation. In Jude, he is the foundation of your faith. And in Revelation, he is your coming king!